Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Whitfield Report audio podcast. What's up, folks? We're going to have a great show for you uh, this week, today, tonight, whenever you're listening in the... uh, past, present, future hour of the program. John Neary of Knee TV is my guest this week. John is a, uh, he's an upcoming YouTube star. He's a, uh, well, John's a character in and of himself. Um, he's a conservatarian, a conservative libertarian, much like I am. He's a, uh, he's a man of God. His, uh, show tagline is God, Freedom, Legacy. And, uh, we talk a lot about what that means in this week's podcast. And, uh, it wasn't so much an interview we did as much of it as it was a, uh, general conversation. We talked about everything in this, uh, interview from life, politics, uh, pop culture, to pretty much everything in between, and uh, we ribbed on each other because we're, uh, we're, we're buds, and we're guy buds, and that's what guy, that's what guy buds, uh, guy friends, that's what they do to each other, we give each other crap, so uh, you're going to hear everything in this podcast. I'm thrilled to have Don on the show. Uh, before we begin, I want to make a couple quick announcements. Uh, the show, the audio podcast, is available now on Stitcher, <coughs> Web Radio. I know that some of you have been requesting that I put the show on there, and uh, your request is fulfilled. It's up there now, so you can go to the to the podcast page on 
anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report and uh, find the link to Anchor and uh, Stitcher and all the other podcasting platforms that we're on over there. And I also want to make a quick announcement that uh, I am on Patreon still. Patreon.com forward slash Whitfield is where you can support the show for just a dollar a month um, to unlock bonus episodes and early uh, access to interviews and extended podcasts and um, a bunch of other great things. For those of you um, who have been inquiring about alternative ways you can support the show, um, I'm looking into that right now, folks. I've got to be honest, uh, Patreon seems to be the best bet for the moment. I am looking at setting up uh, a PayPal uh, address for the Whitfield Report, but I need to look into the logistics of that. But uh, for now, just continue supporting me on Patreon. So once again, that's patreon.com forward slash Whitfield to support the show. And those are the only announcements that I can think of at the beginning of the show. So without further ado, folks, uh, please welcome my next guest, Mr. John Neary of, of Knee TV, Godfrey Mugacy in that order. Enjoy the show, folks. It's going to be a great one. And this is uh, this has been long in the making, Mr. John Neary. How are you, sir? Good. Just picked my nose to start off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's uh, that that's what all the prof- that's what all the professionals do. <laughs> good, Nelv. It must have been a nervous tick or something. How are you, Sam? I'm doing I'm doing good, uh, Mr. Nija. You doing so, good uh, or you doing well? I'm doing well. However, however that that goes, I'm not a grammar Nazi. Uh, well, you're the one in college, not me. You should know these things better than me. Yeah, well, I I passed uh, I passed co- I did pass college English with a with like a a B, but it was because uh, it was because my political views didn't quite match up with uh, the assignments in that uh, class. So, how are you getting politics in grammar? Uh, because, because we have, uh, because we have leftover flower children from the sixties who, you know, think that they're gods or something like that. And who think that they're, you know, they think that politics and English are somehow 
in our mangled or something yeah, like that. But it's grammar. Like it's grammar supposed to be pretty black and white. Yeah. But uh, you know, now you'll get points docked off if you if you use like the term fire, if you use the term like fireman or policeman because Oh my goodness, that's bull crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I even tried arguing against that uh, you know, crap. And uh but you know that this is what happens when the uh when the communists take things when they take academia over and when they take uh, yeah, pop culture over. Speaking yeah, of uh, oh, speaking of uh, pop culture and whatnot, sir, uh, you have one of the best internet no. live stream shows. No, I've... don't butter me up. I can't even stream on my uh, anchor that well. I forgot to hit the live this morning. I I did my show. I had it sitting right next to me, and I forgot to record it. But thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Well, what what you can always do with Anchor, what I always do is I always download the uh, the YouTube streams mm-hmm. afterwards and then upload them into uh, convert them to MP3 files and then re-upload right. them. Yeah, it's a good idea. I so, should definitely do that. Not I just, to I need the hard drive space. Not to. Uh, well, and then I and then I delete the uh, files on my computer afterwards. Once so. you upload them, yeah, it's smart. Smart. That's why you're the podcast bear or whatever, or or Sam, the podcaster. I don't know if you're still a podcast bear or what it is, but uh, you're doing a great job. Well, doing a great job, Sam. Thanks. Well, the, this whole thing, the whole, this whole drama with the, with the bear, with the uh, unbearables. I mean, this isn't the main reason why I wanted to invite you on, but, but it is one of the reasons. Um, well, we had the schedule. I think before that even happened, did we? Did we not? Or maybe maybe it happened after. I don't remember. But. I I think it happened like right after that whole. Cause, but uh, we were talking about it. we were talking about doing an interview like before that. We just didn't schedule it until just right, after. Yeah. We had a uh, we had been talking about it beforehand, and then uh, you know everything kind of uh, you know went down that whole rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, and people. Yeah. people and people were asking me, like, are you still gonna have John on your show? And I'm like, Yeah, why why wouldn't it? Wouldn't I? And well, uh, they, they don't want you getting caught in the crossfire, that's all it is, which is silly. The whole thing is dumb. It's so, it's I don't know what you want me to say about it. Basically, I made some jokes, you know, and then uh people took it personally. And then I uh I reacted to one person. Then I reacted to a couple others, and it started World War Unbearables. Yeah, let me say, I've been. I made one. I made a a series of jokes that I could go back today and watch them, and I think it would still be funny. And then I counterpunched, and maybe I counterpunched a little too hard, and I divided a bunch of people unintentionally. And uh, I still, you know, I still want Owen to do well. I want everybody to do well. That's associates as a bear. I just. You know, I, I honestly, Sam, I just, I don't want to spend much time talking about it. I've said what I've had to say. And sure. Yeah. I think I'm good unless there's, unless you have a specific question. Well, all, all I will say, say about it, and this isn't really been in your defense. This, this, in my opinion, is just plain fact. I mean, I'm, I'm from a, I'm from Colorado. I'm out West, but I mean, I've, I've been to New York, to New York several times within my life and, you're a native New Yorker, correct? 
Yeah, but I'm from Syracuse, New York. I'm like five to six hour drive away from New York City. Okay. So yeah, just because I'm a New Yorker doesn't mean I'm a New York City, New York. Actually, I'm from the salt. Syracuse is known as the salt city. So we have some definitely some salty personalities, but that's because we used to have large salt deposits um, within and outside the city. Well, point point being taken is New Yorkers, I find, whether you're from Syracuse or from Manhattan or wherever, uh, you guys all tend to have like a like a really unique sense of humor, which, you know, some people can't always take, especially in this politically correct, uh, you know, day, day and age. And so I don't even know if it's a New Yorker thing. Like guys just like to make fun of each other. Right. Yeah. That's what we do. Like I got a, I got a group text for guys from high school. We rip on each other all day long. What was that? Your version of, was that your version of Mr. Burns? Mr. Burns does this and you do this. (laughs) What was uh, that? I, I would. When I saw that, Sam. I'm I watching was, you with my peripheral. I was. Uh, I was. I was trying to uh, comb back my hair with my uh, knuckles, but yeah, that it didn't quite work <laughs> out. But uh, that looks, that that should be your meme of like that's that's your <laughs> excellent. That's your Mr. Burns like this. Uh yeah. So uh yeah, but no, but no, I agree. I mean, I have a I have a group chat with guys that i go back to high school with too and uh you know we all shit talk each other regularly yeah and just that's all yeah it's 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 like it's like that scene from uh i don't know if you've seen the movie grand torino but it's like that scene in the barber shop where uh you know clint eastwood goes in there and he and the barber are calling each other all sorts of racial epithets and well yeah that's the thing about like they talk about barbershop culture now I didn't. I stopped going to a barber shop after about the age of fourteen, and as you can tell, I cut my own hair. So, so I I, I didn't really have the barber shop environment because I didn't like how my last barber was cutting my hair because he was drunk all the time. He used to come out of the back room with this cup of coffee, and I didn't know any better. And then eventually, when I was like I don't know thirteen or fourteen, a friend of mine who also went to Pete the barber. Um, said, you know, when he goes to that back room, he's drinking, right? I go, no. He goes, just watch. So the next time I went there, I saw him carrying that cup, and then I smelled it, and I thought, oh my gosh, no wonder he's always missing hairs and all this. So I start cutting my own hair, but I will, I will relate. In uh, the barbershop, I was actually just watching that recently, and Cedric the Entertainer was ripping on all kinds of black culture. He goes, there's three things that we need to be honest about, and it was a funny, funny bit. So I understand, like that's what guys do. When guys are around guys, you rip on each other, and normally it's a fun thing. So, yeah, and I mean, un- unfortunately, I think, well, I mean, I think most guys in in real life, you know, tend to keep that up. But you know, Hollywood, Hollywood, and the whole the so called uh, you know czars of pop culture, you know, every, everything is so PC these days, you know, in, in Hollywood and whatnot, that, you know, you, you can't even crack a joke or anything without someone being offended these these days. Well, I so. think that's why guys like Bill Burr are doing, doing so well, because he literally just gives the other side of the coin and people love him. In fact, one of my favorite interviews to watch is when Bill Burr is on Conan O'Brien. It's hilarious because Bill Burr will just defend like Justin Bieber or he'll, he defended Trump in 2015. Then later on, he kind of backed off. He said, Hillary goes to those Bilderberg meetings back yeah. then. 
And it was just like, it's funny because he's actually given you the other side of it, which is fun. But, you know, Hollywood likes him, I believe, because when he said he was done with Christianity and he just said, and on the fourth day when this and that, and he let it go, then Hollywood embraced him because he said, all right, I'm done with the God stuff, which I think that's why they embrace him. They go, all right, you can be our right wing guy as long as, and I don't even say, I'm not saying he's right wing. He's just logical. Right. But once, once he gave up God in his bit, because he used to say, like, I just think that my God's better than your God, talking about Jesus versus Muhammad. And uh, that was then he's then he took off. And now he's, he's like the biggest comic going, you know, so. Yeah, I, think- I don't I don't quite understand that. I mean, I, I know that you and I are both Christians and that's something I would personally never do. I, I wouldn't. You know, I, I would never personally, you know, forsake the Lord, you know, for my comedy career. Well, I'm not even saying he's doing that. It's just that was part of his bit one time. Right. And I noticed, and I'm not a big Bill Burr fan or anything. I mean, I, I do. I watch him now. I don't like the word fan. Fan, sure, for fanatics. So, like, right. I watch him, you know, and I, I like his specials. But I just noticed that, I don't know if it's 2014 or whenever it was, when he basically let that go part of his bit. He's just every special he comes out with is huge, and he's got like a cartoon out now, and the guy's crushing it. So it's like, all right, so Hollywood will like accept you as long as you accept one of their pillars of belief. And one is atheism, another one would be the whole gender dysphoria is not a real thing. And you know, you you get it. There's certain pillars that uh, Hollywood will accept you. And you have to accept at least one of them. And normally you have to accept all of them or be super talented in other areas. Right. And and I mean, in the case of, I mean, in the case of Clint Eastwood, he's just super talented. Also the fact that he's just been been around for so long, you know, that's, that's the other thing is people ask, well, how come can, how come Clint Eastwood or, you know, Sylvester Stallone get away with being conservative in Hollywood? And the answer is because they've been there for so long. Right, uh, right. Yeah, I can see that. Um, definitely Clint Eastwood. But, like, you look at someone like Mel Gibson, right? There was nobody that was bigger than Mel Gibson. And we all know what he said that one time or whatever. And then he had a couple of other, like, drunken voicemails or whatever. And it, it basically crushed his career. Now, he's rebuilt it since then. Um. And I, I don't know if you've seen Hacksaw Ridge, that latest yeah, yeah. movie. that he did. Incredible portrayal of a hero. And, and he said it wasn't even based on a true story. He said it was a true story. He actually took stuff out of the movie because he thought it would be too unbelievable from the guy's story. So you look at a guy like that, you know, he'll never be the same Mel Gibson. But now he's just taking more of a directorial role. And he's crushing it that way. I mean, look at he was as big as you can be. And then he made Passion of the Christ. Right. And right after that notice, you know what happened. And and I've heard some interesting theories on that, which I don't want to share for this. This is your podcast. But uh no, feel yeah, no feel feel free. This is you know, this is kind of just an open forum. So cool. So yeah, so what he, so what this one theory I heard was this was on Coast to Coast Radio. I don't know if you ever listen to Coast to Coast. Yeah. But I used to sometimes. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like they talk about anything. When I when I was in college, one of the jobs I had was I was delivering papers in the middle of the night. And they get me through the night. You know, I was listening to these different radio sh- shows. And and this one, Coast to Coast, they were talking about how they're like, don't you find it interesting that after he made Passion of the Christ, then he came out and, like, said all these things about the Jewish people 
you know, and then set up some other things. That, and the, this guy's belief was, is Mel Gibson has been attacked by demons. And I know it sounds crazy. I realize that, but just an interesting perspective because Mel Gibson like played it perfectly up until that point. Yeah, I mean that that certainly is a, that certainly is an interesting perspective. And you know, when you, when you get into the whole coast to coast slash you know Infowars slash uh, Alex Jones, I mean you you hear all sorts of crazy, you know, some of which at first, you know, they all it all seems like a meme, but after a while, you know, you start to think, well, is the water all turning the frogs gay? So, see, but that's see that's like I think that's. What Alex Jones does on purpose is, and I think Cenk Uger actually made a good point of this when he was on Joe Rogan's show, is that he could be right about 75% of the stuff. But if he puts 25% out gay frog stuff, it it makes you then discount the other 75%. Right. And it's a and it's a great tool to utilize to get to gain an audience, but then you lose all your credibility in the same light. So you got to be really careful about the hills that you choose to stand on like right. that and Sandy Hook and certain things. And, and I, you know, I, that's why I was talking about Tower 7 earlier because I said, you know, like something happens there and I still haven't had someone explain it to me. And, and just this morning someone was explaining. They go, oh, no, there's a fire chief on record for saying pull it to take down that building in Tower 7. And I'm, I'm not trying to go 9-11 on you, but, yeah, like there's a reason if a, a building fell that nothing hit. And as soon as you say that, they paint you as a crazy war prepper or a doomsday prepper and all this stuff. But there's some there's some things that we don't understand publicly. Yeah. But well, apparently there's a PBS article about the fire some fire chief saying to pull that building, Tower 7. I don't know. Well, now that I've really thrown this thing off the rails. Well, even uh, a few weeks ago, I had a, a guest on. We were talking about the whole thing with uh, Syria that you know just happened, and how a lot of yeah. stuff, how a lot of stuff. And I, I think you covered this on uh, your show, Need TV, which you can go find over on YouTube as well, uh, about how a lot of stuff in Syria with the whole gas attack, how a lot of that doesn't make. It just doesn't make sense. sense to me. Why would Assad? Why would Assad doing that? Knowing that the whole world's watching, it just militarily it makes no sense for him to gas his own people. I, right. I I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it the first time that it happened, and I don't believe it now. I believe that the people got gassed. I just don't believe Assad was behind it. Right. And yeah. Whenever, whenever I see the media like something that Trump did, I'm immediately skeptical of it because the media likes controversy. When there's uh, a riot going on, they get the cameras right there and they zoom in the lenses to get the worst shot possible to make people look bad yeah. every single time. So they like divisiveness. They like wars. They like all that stuff. So as soon as they're like, wow, Trump did something good here. And I'm like, okay. And I don't trust it. Yeah. My gut tells me not to. Yeah. Yeah. The fact, the fact that they were that like 90% of the time they so adamantly hate on Trump and then, you know, 10% of the time, or no, less than that, 5% of the time when they praise him, that, that always gets really suspicious to me. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yeah. Speaking of uh, celebrities and going against the, the media, I don't know if you've talked at this much on your show, but what do you think of uh, the whole Kanye West thing? I, I know that you like uh, hmm. hip-hop and rap and R&B, so that... 
that seems to go into, you know, let's go into your ter- territory more. What do you think of this whole Kanye West? Uh, well, I think, I think Ben Shapiro, yeah, Ben Shapiro said it best. Like, this is Kanye being Kanye. He's always gone against the grain. This is nothing new. The only new thing about this is, is he's literally saying, hey, um, blacks, you don't have to be Democrats. It's like, thank you. Thank you. Like, literally, yeah. I don't know if you've heard his new song with T.I., I can hear them going back and forth. It's really interesting to hear them going back and forth because those are the conversations, believe it or not, happen all the time. Yeah. I went to I got, recently, I say recently, a couple of months ago, I got invited to uh, 100 Black Men Meet. And, you know, they extended Olive Branch out to your brother over here on the Irish side of town now. Mm-hmm. And I went to the meeting and literally all of the middle-aged and older Black men think the exact same way I do. I start off the meeting by saying, I believe that it's a man's job to provide and it's a woman's job to take care of the home, which is obviously, you know, a controversial statement today. And all of the middle-aged and older black men in this meeting all agreed with me, except for the two that were running the meeting. And they were trying to say, well, gender is a social construct. And we're all going, no, it's not. No, it's not. That's propaganda from your guys' side, the left. And all the older black men in there are extremely conservative. That's the thing is that from, from my experience, Black people tend to be very Christian, at least in this country, and they don't believe in things like abortion and gay marriage and 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 high taxes. They don't believe in a lot of that. So th- that's that's the the whole like the the I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but there's this like you have two different forces going at the heart and the mind in black culture, which bothers me because the mind is saying. You know, I should be voting for lower taxes and for things like, you know, the the life of somebody being sacred. But, you know, my heart says that that's not the right thing to do. And that's why I blame the media for brainwashing people with propaganda. Yeah. Well, there's there's that whole uh, there's there's that quote. I actually read this fairly recently it's an old it's an old quote from lbj and a lot of people have tried to kind of sweep this under the rug and deny that he ever said this but shortly after jfk was assassinated and once uh, lbj you know became president mm-hmm. he i guess he once said to an advisor uh in 50 years we'll have all these uh niggers pardon my language, uh, voting Democrat. And, right. so, and it was witnessed by two people. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that, and so that's what the quote unquote great society that he was building was, was really all about. It was about getting, uh, you know, black people on welfare and, yep. uh, the ur- they call it, some people call it the urban plantation. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, I I agree with you, and I I listened to that Kanye West song too, and I'm like, holy crap, this is brilliant. It, I mean, and I've I've heard all that before, but I mean, the problem is when you have people like uh, Herman Cain or Colin Powell, because there are there are conservative uh, black people in the spotlight, but the problem is they're all politicians, and you know, young people, right more often than not are not going to you know be tuning into your what colin powell or herman cain well even like a guy like a mortal technique who i, I believe is a flat earther 
I could be wrong on that. You'd have to fact check me. But he went on Alex Jones show like years ago, and he's very urban culture, non-politician guy. So there are some that are out there, and that's why like Candace Parker is important. But you look at a guy like Ben Carson, who literally came out of left field. I I hadn't heard about him, and I didn't even know. Did I think we covered him one day on my show that there was a movie made about Ben Carson that uh, the guy that played radio, what was his name? He was a show me the money guy. Oh, it's, it's Cuba Gooding's junior. Cuba I think. Junior played Ben Carson in a movie in like 2008 or something like that. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. You know, what was weird was I actually, I actually saw that. I actually saw that movie before uh, I even knew what, um, who Ben Carson was. It was something like I was flipping around Netflix one day and it, it was on there. And I'm oh, like, yeah, I didn't even know that it existed. I, I found it out just researching him one day, like live on my show. And it was really interesting. And look what the, look what the media did to him. Now this guy literally is maybe the greatest brain surgeon in this country. He works in, ch- in children, um, pediatrics. And I actually have a testimony from somebody that I can't even mention their name. And he said that, when there was somebody that they couldn't work on in their hospital, they would airlift the child over to his hospital, which I believe was Johns Hopkins. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. They would airlift the kid over to their hospital so that he could work on him. And this guy was doing God's work for years and years and years. And then he announces he wants to run for president. And what did the media do? You know, they they attacked him. They made him look crazy. And Trump attacked him, too based on that story about him trying to stab his mom. And we weren't there. And that's why I don't judge him for that. And they tried to make him look crazy and stupid. And it's like, this guy's, his intellect is higher than anybody else that ever talks about him. Because even if for me to talk about him, his intellects, like the guy's IQ has got to be off the charts higher than everybody. Yeah. And they, they try to call him stupid and crazy. And that's what they do. And and where was the black support for, for a black man that literally had the single mom experience and went from zero to the smartest guy in the planet? And nobody supported him. And he even, at one point, I believe it was in October, September, October of 2015, he was ahead of Trump at the polls at one point. Yeah. Well, he well he also got in trouble because because he said that um, he he made some comment about like oh about the temples. Like, no, it was something about like gay prison rape or something something like oh, I like that. I, I, I didn't hear that one. See, I, the couple things I heard was. Him stabbing his mom's story, which I still hear people go, yeah, like he's kind of crazy. It's like he was 15. He made a really bad decision. Like everyone judges people as if not everyone. Many people judge people as if they've never made a mistake before. Like, yeah, of course, that's an awful, awful thing. We don't know what he was going through. So I'm not going to sit here and try to judge him for it, you know. But um, as far as the, the only other thing I heard about it was that he said something about the temple storing grain or something. I don't know. Yeah, it it was all it was all it was all really minute stuff, especially you know, exactly. compared, especially compared to what Trump was saying, you know, or, or or what came out later. I mean, I'm I'm I am still honestly amazed that Trump got got elected with some of the stuff that you know came out about I mean, him. I bet on it, and I won. I say I. So I, I for for years I called myself a, consem- a conservative Democrat, and even in 2014 I wrote an article called "A Disgruntled Conservative Democrat," 
and I actually wrote it for a local politician here that was pretty middle of the road when it came to Democrats. He was in the top 10 of Democrats that voted with Republicans. So I thought, okay, if a guy's willing to do that and go against his party, then he's trying to seek the truth. So that's all I needed. That, that, that to me proved that, all right, this is a good man. And I wrote an article about it because I felt like I had nobody to vote for. And I was basically on the fence. Well, when I saw Trump, I go, he, he can beat, he can beat Hillary. I thought he'd be the only candidate that could possibly lose to Bernie Sanders because they both have the same honest appeal. And I thought he would lose to Bernie because that would be like, yeah, they, they both have the same kind of appeal. Even though Bernie's not right communist, people are stupid and they both with their hearts, not their heads. Right. Um, but I thought Trump would beat her because he would just out punch her because he doesn't worry about that where everyone else would feel bad about verbally punching on a woman. And you can't even say that phrase. I kind of feel bad about saying it like that. But he he didn't feel bad about it. It was like he could beat her where Ted Cruz doesn't have the likability more so than a Hillary. And, and literally, I have a book called, um, I'm still trying to finish it. It's called Unlikable or Likable about Hillary Clinton. And it's funny in this book, literally. So apparently the, Steel, the Spielbergs are good friends with the Clintons. And there's a story in this book about, yeah, there's a story in this book about how they're teaching Hillary how to act. And they're like, you got like, cause Bill Clinton was likable, whether you, whether you agree with it or not, oh, Bill sure. Clinton, he was smooth and he was likable. Hillary was smart, but not likable at all. So they're literally working with her and they would have study groups of, of watching her tape and saying things like, Oh, here's where people don't trust you. Here's where they like you. Here's where they do. And she couldn't watch the tape. She was like, I'm not watching this. I'm not watching this. And literally they, Steven Spielberg had people training her, in how to act because they real because they knew that you have to put on a likable image like Barack Obama did. And uh, oh I gotta find that book. If I if I find that book, I'll let you know. It's a good one. It's there good one. there was a clip that I saw. I, I I can't remember where I was. I think I think I was I was in a ho I was in a hotel room uh, somewhere with with my mom and we were we were watching the news or something and it, it was it was at the beginning of the campaign so early 2016 i mm-hmm. think and there was there was footage of, Hil- of hillary clinton and it's it's that it's at a rally and she's going that, down the line shaking hands and uh she comes to this uh black woman who you know who looks like a middle-aged black mom and she shakes her hand but she doesn't make eye contact with her at all, and, and she's she's looking down the line. So she so she shakes this one this black woman's hand, but she doesn't make eye contact with her. And and uh, my mom caught that and immediately said, "Oh, oh my God! You know that's proof as to how racist she really is. That she won't even make she won't even make eye contact." I don't know. That that could be a stretch, though. Like, if you've got a bunch of people in front of you and you're just shaking hands, like, I could see how that could happen. I'd have to see the full clip. Like, was she making eye contact with everybody, and as soon as there was a black person, she turned her face? Then maybe I could say that. But... Well, that that's that's kind of how, because uh, at first I kind of made the same comment, but then I guess she rewound on the TiVo, and it, it, was, it was one of those things. I mean, it was... Well, you guys have TiVo? You guys have TiVo. I haven't heard of anyone mention TiVo since like two thousand eight. 
it was it was like at this uh, it was like at this hotel in New York or uh, something like that. No, no, we no we don't cool. we don't even have we don't even even have cable where where we're at now. We just I we, have cable. Yeah, I got rid of cable. It's a waste. We, hey, the tip for the people out there watching: get rid of your cable. It's a waste of money. You can yeah. get an HD antenna, and as long as you're not out in the boonies, you can get you know I get like twenty stations, and my bet out in the boonies, you probably even get more because there's less interference. Yeah, same here. We we just got we just got a digital antenna too, and then and then we just we got a bigger pipe for you know the for the internet, and so we just stream everything on Netflix and Amazon Prime, and then of course there's tons of stuff on YouTube. So although I yeah. I, I guess I guess YouTube now has like this option where you can basically stream cable TV. I haven't tried it out yet, but um. That's what I've heard. I haven't tried it. So. I haven't tried that yet. I did string TV for a week when the Mets were in the playoffs. <laughs> I could watch a Mets game. They gave you like a seven day trial to try it out. There's plenty of options out there just to stream the internet. You don't you don't need cable. I know so many people now that have gotten rid of cable and they said they're so glad because of the hundreds of dollars you spend on it and you watch the same, you know, five stations. Well, and it well, and it's it's all advert it's all advertising too and then again, ninety percent of the ads for that for TV are all drug are all drug companies, too. Most oh, of them. So it's so obvious when you say that it reminds me of when <laughs> one of the best interviews, most entertaining interviews is when Alex Jones was on Pierce Morgan, CNN, because he just goes in full Alex Jones character. And one of the things he mentioned was the pharmaceutical companies. And he goes, I'm trying to get people off these suicide pills. And then he goes, oh, see, you don't like that? Because Piers Morgan interrupts him and starts changing the subject. And, man, I would, I could watch that right now. That's one of the greatest, most entertaining interviews I've ever seen in my life. In fact, when he was on Joe Rogan, that was, he was on for like, I don't know, four or five hours or whatever it was. I've, yeah. I've listened to that two times, which is 10 hours I've listened to that. It's so entertaining. I couldn't stop. I was like, this is so, whether you agree with Alex Jones or not, the guy is entertaining. So just, you know, strap in and enjoy. Yeah. Well, And these last couple of years, since 2015, Trump has made this whole thing entertaining. So whether you like him or not, you know that you're entertained because you're getting more comedy out of our politics than you are in our actual comedy. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's the that's the funny thing too. Well, and and I mean, you were just speaking about Joe Rogan. Joe Joe Rogan, I I never really paid much attention to him until about like like a year and a half ago or so. But I mean, he he is also freaking entertaining too, especially when he gets uh Joey Diaz on on his podcasts too. So there's a yeah. I I don't listen to a lot of Rogan, but like when there's somebody on there that I recognize, I, I pop in. And sometimes I should just watch some random ones, too, because a lot of times I start liking someone based off of seeing them on Rogan. That, but I don't know when I first started listening to him. I think I would just see a couple of interviews that I liked. And when Alex Jones was on there, I shared that to so many people. I was like, you got to put the if you start listening to this, you'll never be able to turn it off. Yeah, it's just, it was just so good. It was so good. Well, Rogan is how I is how I discovered uh, is how I discovered uh, Owen Benjamin, and then subsequently, The Unbearables and you guys. Oh, cool! Right. Well, I bet a lot of people. Yeah, I bet a lot of people discovered him that way. Yeah, right. And, 
and it was it was mainly because uh, I guess on that interview, Kurt Metzger, the other comedian, was just talking over Owen ninety percent percent of the time. So Owen never really got a chance to speak. So I'm like, oh well, I'm gonna have to check out this other guy who you know didn't really get to say much. And uh, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yes, and someone I saw someone in the comments on that video said like Joe Rogan tried to school. Owen, the same way that Rogan schooled that guy that was a former fighter. Uh-huh. You've probably seen those clips. And it didn't work. And Owen just, you know, stuck to his gun. So I gave him props for that. And then that other guy started talking. I'll tell you, I was watching it actually in the bathtub. Enjoying a nice bath like I do. And uh, I was watching it. And as soon as Owen stopped, I saw the other guy. I was like, all right, I'm done. And then I checked the comments. And I saw people were like, yeah, like he only talked in the first 20 minutes of the show. And then he didn't. I was like, all right. So then I didn't miss anything. No, no, you, no, you really didn't. So, I mean, that was kind of what prompted me to go. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out this other guy who didn't get a chance to uh, speak. in. why did uh, they bring on that other guy with Owen? I don't get why that other guy was even there. I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. I think it was something like they were supposed to record on different days, but the other guy like forgot, so he just showed up a day early and. And Joe just let him in. I I don't know, I don't know if that's what happened, but that's what I heard. So, um, gotcha. but anyway, so how so how did you discover uh, Owen and the the unbearables and how? Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. You said how did I get to know about Owen and the unbearables? I'm assuming. Yeah. So I actually saw Owen at the Funny Bone in 2014. And it was ironic. I've said the story a couple of times on my show, basically. So in my past life, I was a banker, but I also was a DJ and I still DJ now. And my, my DJ persona, part of my branding was I'd wear suspenders and a bow tie. That was like my, you know, my cape, if I'm Batman, right? That was my right. branding. So when they would people see the suspenders, they'd recognize me. And then when people would be out and about and I'd be at a bar, they'd say, Oh, you gotta go see this this DJ with the suspenders, and that was it was a trademarking thing. So, I I reserve a a table just to on a random night at Funny Bone, and I get uh I get like six of my friends to come out, and we're sitting right in the front, and I'm sitting at the head table, with my suspenders and bow tie on, and Owen says one you know one of those like in between jokes that some people laugh and some people don't, and I laughed and nobody else did. And he looked over right at me and he goes, you like that over there? And he goes, he looks, he goes, because the lights are on. And he goes, what are you wearing, suspenders? And he goes in on me wearing suspenders for for at least 10 minutes. And he's ripping on me. And I'm dying laughing. My whole table's dying laughing. And he starts, he goes, so so what do you do for a living, sir? I was like, I'm a banker. And he goes, oh, (laughs) forget those guys, right? And like the whole place is like against me at this point. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And he goes, what bank do you work for? And under my breath, I go, Chase. And this girl behind me goes, he works for Chase. And I thought, yes, because I actually worked for M&T Bank at the time. And I was just trying to throw him off. And it worked. And so he just starts going in on the Freedom card, the Sapphire card, and how much Chase sucks. And he's ripping on it. And, it, and I'm dying laughing. And my table's dying laughing now because they're like, damn near I, you found a way to get out of this, like the lights on you, but he's not even making fun of your job right now. Cause I thought, man, if someone recognized me from M and T like, 
and this thing goes viral, our stock price could go down or it could go up. And literally not too long before this, M&T had just had some money laundering from one teller to one drug dealer at one branch in Baltimore. And because of that, it became a news story and the stock price like dropped. So like I was really sensitive about the stock price dropping because that's all it takes one person to mess up. Right. And it can really like cost people millions and millions of dollars. And so I, I got him off topic and he's calling me the monopoly guy. And he was making fun of this other guy that had a big beard and he was calling him something from duck dynasty. Well, during the show, this girl starts heckling him and Owen was only supposed to play for 45 minutes, but people kept sending him up drinks. So he ends up going for two hours. This girl starts heckling him and he goes back at the girl and then she got emotional and the security had to pull her out. And he goes, you see, he goes, me and two guys, this is kind of ties our conversation full circle from earlier. He goes, me and he goes, the Monopoly and Duck Dynasty, he goes, we're going to be best friends after this. He goes, you can't make fun of a woman because they get too emotional. And everybody's laughing. And after the show, I told him that I was like, hey, I got a confession. I go, I actually work for M&T Bank, not uh, Chase. And he goes, oh, I should have known, you know, it was a cool moment. I bought his album and then um, it was cool. So I've been following him on Instagram ever since. And when I've been I've been following Crowder, I would say, since one of his rants, I think maybe when he started doing the Chank impression, I think I found Crowder when actually I, I looked up the differences between Jesus and Muhammad and Crowder had some viral videos out there. And I think that's yeah. how I first found him. And Crowder had on Owen and I thought, Holy cow, I've been following this guy since 2014, and this guy leans right because he wouldn't be on Crowder's show if he didn't, unless he was going to debate him. And I'm like, oh, and he's talking about trans kids at the time. And I was like, oh, shoot. So then I start, you know, following him on Twitter and, and YouTube and everything else after that point. And I was like, oh, like, let me see what this guy's doing. I saw his Why Didn't They Laugh podcast, and I, re I really liked what he was doing. You know, I, I like a lot of the things that he stands for, um, and I think he's become more right wing. Then he realized he was as he starts, you know, opening his eyes to a lot of things because he wasn't a right wing guy in Hollywood. He just was, you know, middle of the road like a lot of guys are. Yeah. And well, when you're making a lot of money, you don't want to know what's behind the, that closet, because if you open it up, it's really hard to close it and sleep at night. So he's opened it and he's jumped right in. And, uh, you know, he's, he's probably sleeping great now, but he's not making the money he used to make in Hollywood. You know, that's people sell right. out for that stuff, you know. Well, and well, it was funny because when because when I went back recently and checked out like his Comedy Central specials or whatever, um, his jokes were all were all like relationship based, you know. Right, right. Comedy, and um, so I'm like I'm like Roy, I'm like we went from like plain vanilla, you know, Joe relationship. Comedy, not that that's you know easy to do or anything like that. I don't mean plain like plain as in boring, but you know he was he was pretty neutral. So we went from that you know to all of a sudden he's a quote unquote alt right comedian, you know which which basically, I mean that that term is supposed to you know represent like neo Nazis, but now the left uses that term so much that it just. It basically means anyone who is not left now. Yeah, I mean, you're breaking up a little bit, but um, the relationship thing, I heard you mention that. And it's what's funny is a lot of people. So shout out to Brian Askew. Uh, he's got a good YouTube channel. I don't know if he can still live stream right now, but uh, he's a good guy. And he, and he was saying recently to me, he said, you know, he was like, 
honestly, he was like one of my favorite things I like about Owen is when he talks about relationships. He was yeah. like, you know, like he's, he's a good comedian and all that. He was like, but I love when he talks about relationships. He was like, that's what makes me tune in. And I think that's how a lot of young men or, or middle-aged men or whatever tune in because the relationship jokes that Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Owen Benjamin, Bill Burr, the same, they're all the same jokes. They're all the same jokes because men tend to be a certain way and women tend to be a certain way. And that's why those relationship jokes always work and they're timeless because people at the core of it are very similar. If they're men and women are pretty similar, there's definitely, I would say more of a variation with women than men from my experience. But I, that's where we relate. And that's why relationship humor will probably always be the best kind of humor because it's not a, a political thing. When you, when you start Talk, making a joke about the right, then you lose the left audience. When you make a joke about the left, you lose the light, right audience. So like guys like Bill Burr, he would make fun of Trump and then Hillary, and then he could he could dance on that line. But if you make a relationship joke, typically you can get both sides to laugh. Right. So that's I, I get I get that appeal, and I think that that's his strength. And when him and Amy do relationship shows, I think they're some of the best shows because you get to see. His counterpart, which is that whole yin and yang, just like when I do a show with Domi, like people love it. Just, you know, Domi doesn't like being on the camera. And I understand that, you know, it's not her cup of tea, which is why I love it. She's my counter. She balances me out or else I would who knows what I would be doing to get attention. We we, we don't even, we don't even want to go go down that road. Uh, <laughs> so. That seems like it could be a like that seems like it could be a bit uh, dangerous. Well, uh, how'd you how'd you get into YouTube live streaming anyway? Because, uh, like I said, you're you're one of the you're one of the top ones, I think. Oh yeah, I'm not a top one. I I, I gotta I gotta build up that audience a little more, but I appreciate that. Um, I've been wanting to do a YouTube thing for a long time, and I used to do one back in 2016 which is why I got these sunglasses and mm. now I'm, you know, I don't sell them anymore, but if you go on Syracure.com and get yourself a legal protection plan, I'm happy to FedEx you a pair wherever you are within the U S 50 continental States Is a continental or is that my using the wrong word or four provinces, just go on Syracure.com, select a protection plan and find one that works best for you. But in other news, um, yeah, I, one day I just started live streaming. I was having a few drinks, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to live stream. And I think, I don't know if Shaniqua had been following me or if I was following her, but I she saw me say something to Owen on Twitter, I would say probably in December. And the irony is, is Bayonetta Bob told me to put a bear in my logo. So I did that. And uh, Shaniqua came to my show and was like asking me a bunch of questions on my first episode. I think she was trying to fill me out. He was trying to fill me out or whatever Shaniqua O'Teal likes to go by nowadays. And it was cool. It was a really cool show. I still want to know who Shaniqua is. I think I know. I just can't say it on the air. And, uh, yeah, since then, I just, I've just i been trying to do a show every Monday to Friday. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on my channel. Just look at my name, John Neri, and, and my channel should come up. That's J-O-H-N-N-E-R-I. And on the weekends, I still try to do a seven o'clock show. Sometimes on Sunday, I can't, but I, I still try to do an hour show every day. But Monday to Friday, I'm pretty consistent, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
right? Yeah. 8 a.m. And then Island Bear takes off from there. Yeah, you are. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a really good stream. Um, especially since, you know, you talk, uh, you talk about everything on that show. Well, maybe I not. Talk what? What'd you say? Well, maybe not everything. I, I said you talk pretty much basically about everything on that show or close to. Yeah, I try to, I try to keep it pretty open. You know, I, I read my audience as they're chatting and, and, you know, through the trolls, if I see a good comment, I'll try to read it live. And yeah, I like to keep it topical. I, for a while, I did a lot of political commentary, which I get. But once you, you talk about all the issues, like, what do I want to keep talking about abortion and, and the Second Amendment all the time? Right. I don't. I'm a pro-life guy. I believe in Second Amendment. You know, I, I don't want to keep talking about it all the time. Now, sometimes there's certain news I like talking about, but I would rather, rather talk about issues. Yesterday, my show was about group dynamics. Today, my show is about feeling good being in war, like meaning that you're going to experience some pain right. or being at peace and feeling like you're living in injustice. So there's that there's another dynamic. I, I love having shows where I have like a different dynamic and I try to talk both sides just to understand. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've done something similar with with this show because. You know, when, when I first started out, I was pretty strictly polit political, too. And then after uh, the election, I just got burned out. So when I when I relaunched my podcast, I mean, I started doing more topical stuff, too. And uh, it was interesting because when I joined the Bears, which was in April, I showed uh, Canabare my podcast. And he said, you know, you, you, you remind me of this guy. From uh, Syracuse, New York, John Neary, so or near I. So, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, shout out to Canterbury. Canterbury's doing great thing. Canterbury's connected so many people yeah. to the unbearable that it's it's really really an awesome thing. Well, and uh, yeah, I hope he's doing well with his new gig he's got going on. Actually, it looks like he makes some great dinners. Yeah, I saw some pictures there, Canna. Well. Well, in, in the, well, in this the story goes. I don't know how much of this you can confirm, but he but he claims that you that you are one of the reasons why he and his uh, girlfriend, the lovely Amethyst Bear, are are to are together. Excuse me, I'm not one of the reasons. I am the reason that they are together, and the reason I am the reason is because I thought Canna was a chick, and I thought Chuck was single, so I tried to hook up Chuck with Canna. Because why would your name be Canna and be a man? I said, if your name's Canna Bear, then that would tell me you're a woman bear. Your name should be like Canid Bear, with like ending in a D, not an A. So I tried hooking them up. I even put out a Twitter poll, like something about what should Canna and, and, and Chuck do. I don't know what it was, but it got some good traction. Someone live on my show said, you realize that Canna is a boy, right? And I go, nope, didn't know that. And then I saw a little tension between Amethyst and Canterbury. And so uh, then Canterbury on my show started singing to Amethyst. He started playing. Canterbury, like, he jumps on my show. He puts on some shades. And then he started singing all these Barry White songs to Amethyst. And boom, before you know it, they're just a match made in Knee TV. I, 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 love, I love that story. So, yeah, well, and yeah, then and then I saw one of the stream highlights where you're uh, where you're busting in his chops. Like, have you two talked to talk to each other? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, said, I said I wouldn't stop until they DM'd each other. And I go, you probably already have been DMing each other. Go, yeah, you already have. You already have. And then something, somebody said something that they already did. And I go, there you go. A match made in, in need. I don't know what I said, but basically I could, I could see that there was some potential there. I saw him flirting back and forth. I saw it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I, I well, I keep, I keep telling, I keep telling him, I'm like, uh, I'm like, you need to, uh, you need to get your butt here to to America. Stop, uh, stop wasting time in in Canada. And of uh, and of course, you know he's he's working right now, trying to to get his stuff to it's come not, home. It's, honestly, it's it's not easy to get into U.S. or Canada. When I no, I lived in Canada for a number of years, and there's only a couple ways to get into Canada. Either a, you go to school there, you get married to somebody there, or you're in a certain profession that they that they need. So it's, I'm assuming it's probably similar getting into the U.S. So he uh, either marry her or, you know, come over here, finish your schooling. I I don't know what where he is in his schooling. He might already finish, but there's only a few options there, Canna. So get your butt to the U.S., go marry your woman, start making some kids, and then, uh, you know, take it from there. Mm-hmm. So... How, yeah. Why don't you talk about those two women that you had fighting over the other day, Sam? Yeah, see, yeah, see, I see you laughing. Did you? Uh, yep. did, you did you actually? Did you actually watch that stream it's in its entirety, or did you? Uh, did you fast? I watched, I watched enough. I watched enough to know what was going on that day. Well, they well they were they were fighting they were fighting over me, but uh, then one of them confess that she was uh i i went i went to the to the restaurant real quick came back she's talking with a friend about how she's been and i i've i've heard this and she uh she began talking to her friend about how she was cheating with her current boyfriend with some guys on that she met on snapchat or or tinder and someone oh yeah 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 that was the other part i forgot about that and, right and so with that in mind i'm like I'm like, hold up, hold up. So you mean you mean to tell me that you're in, interested in me, but that you're cheating on your uh, boyfriend with some random guys from Snapchat? Well, I don't see what the big pro what the big problem is. Yeah, I'm she's like, just trying to have a good time. She don't worry. She don't worry about relationships. She's just gonna get you know get pregnant one day, be miserable the rest of her life. Yeah, that's how that one's gonna end. Yeah, and I, I'm not. Uh, I, I, I told, I told, I told her. I said, uh, "This is this. Uh, this is how bad I've become from uh, from listening to your streams." I said, "Your, I said your boy doesn't play like play like that." <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, I said, uh, "I said, you know, I, I, I said I had a, I had a nice time with you, but uh, you know." I think I think that's that, and uh, that's good. That's good, Sam. That means all your stuff down there still works. I don't know. Sometimes oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, so you're blessed. You're blessed, actually. You're blessed. Yeah, I, I am. So well, and and uh, and it was it was funny because uh, because Amy in, in that stream when I was when I was telling that that story, uh, Amethyst was like, yeah, good good on you. They were they were uh. They were yes, you're right. So yeah, you're right. 
Well, I would say most women, <laughs> here we go. I'd say most women in college are, not most, uh, 49% of women in college are sluts. And the other 51% are, can have, there's a bell curve for the other 51%. Yeah. Well, 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 the, the big problem is, uh, and I, I hate to always bring this back. I always hate to bring up this point because, uh, you know, women, women hate when I bring this up, but it's true. Uh, feminism has really done more. This, this third wave feminism has really done more to hurt women than men. Oh, of course it has. Of course it has. Um, but, oh, but don't get me wrong. Let me say it the other side too. Like, 99% of men are sluts in college, too. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I just I thought about it after I said it. I thought, oh, I'm going to sound like a male chauvinist. No, like, trust me. Like, I see the other side, too. It's just yeah. that men are givers and women are takers, sexually speaking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women, you guys, you guys got to deal with all the issues. Men can give diseases and not even experience some of it. Now, I'm not saying go do that. You don't. You I. Never mind. We ain't gonna get into my personal history. Here's what I will say: Love God with all your heart, mind, and body and spirit, so that you can love others as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tried. I tried to love everyone. What can I say? I tried to love them all. It's very yeah. hard to do so. Get yourself a uh, get yourself a good woman, and as Owen says, uh, use your use your dick and your vagina and make and make babies. So. Amen. Amen. That's what it's designed for. Yeah, that's what it's designed for. So, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Milo. As much as as much as you might try, it uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna work if you and your husband try try and do it. And and I I I love I love Milo Yiannopoulos too, by the way. But uh, well, the the whole gay marriage thing here. I mean, like, here's what I'll say on that. Like. Yeah. Like I get like everything I do doesn't mean I'm tr- I'm open to children every single thing I do. Right. And I get that then, that then that makes me a hypocrite. I just I don't see the way I see this is actually I confronted one of those guys, those guys that hold the sign saying, you know, gays are going to hell and stuff. And so I'm talking to him one day. I'm talking to this guy for like 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, but like you don't know who's you're not you're not the judge. So you don't know who's going to hell. You don't who, know who isn't. And he said, honestly, at the end of the conversation, he says to me, he goes, honestly, I don't see it as any different than masturbation. He goes, it's just for pleasure. I go, oh, well, that's reasonable. Like he said a reasonable thing when I pushed him far enough. And that's why what I like about the role model of Jesus is he questioned, he counterpunched people into being reasonable. And then he told parables so people could understand or at least try to understand the father God. And that's what I liked about, that's why I like questioning people. Cause I like to question them until we get to a cord of reason. And once you get to that reason, once when you separate all the emotion out of it, people tend to agree at the reason. Now right. I tend to be a person that believes, and here's the, the, the difference I think between the right and the left is I believe you're a product more so of the decisions you make than your environment. I think you're a product of both, but more the decisions you make than your environment. And the left believes you're more a product of your environment than the decisions you make. I mean, I mean, your your environment certainly has something to do with 
with your there's you got two parents you've got two good parents at home you're definitely more likely to do well than if you got a single mom but it doesn't mean that someone in a single mom has to make the decisions to make their life harder right i mean we were talking about ben about ben carson that's a perfect case in point you know he uh you know he grew up but, in a sing- but it's harder for a ben carson than someone like me so I, 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 that's where I'll say it's like, yeah, like he definitely didn't have the same privileges I did of having two parents, but that has nothing to do with being white or black. That has to do with the privileges having two parents at home or one parent at home. That's that's, and it shouldn't be a privilege. Like that's just what, what it should be. You should have two parents at home, and if you don't, then hopefully your parents still work together to raise you. Now that's when you when you don't have that, then you're disadvantaged. Right. And that's the difference. A disadvantage doesn't mean the other person has privilege. It means that the other person has a disadvantage. So now they got to work that much harder to overcome their disadvantage. But what I've noticed in my life is the people that are the most disadvantaged tend to do the best at the end of the day. If you look at you, you know, you got your disadvantages, you overcome them and you got, you got more YouTube views than anybody I know personally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I look at someone like George Washington, the, the the British Army or whatever, they wouldn't take George Washington as a general. So he became the greatest general of all time. Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team. And I just watched his Hall of Fame speech recently. And some people said it was petty. But as I'm listening to it, I'm like, no, he's just showing you his competitive spirit. And he always looked at somebody as a competitor. And that's what I hope all men do, because it makes us all better at the end of the day. Got from legs in order. Yeah, that oh, I didn't. I didn't say what that meant, but sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, that was actually a perfect segue. So, what is God? What is God freedom legacy about? Because uh, a lot of the a lot of the bears have been asking about what that means, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'll ask them when I when I interview them. I mean, I know is that yeah. is that is that a rip on uh, Michael Savage's uh, Borders language and culture? Is that what no, not, no, not at all. Honestly, it was it was something that took me a, almost a year to figure out. Like, what do I care about? So after I left the bank, Bank of America. So when I went from MT, I went to Bank of America, and I had a good job, Bank of America, and I I left a really good paying job without anything in mind, and I realized I lost my purpose, and I had to figure out my purpose again. And in studying not just the Bible, but the Quran, and in, like spending literally days on YouTube, days researching things, or just enjoying myself and watching video game stuff. I realized there's a few things that I care about. One of them is I care about what I leave to other people. And I was like, I want to have kids someday. I want to make an impression on this world, but I don't want to sacrifice every word that I say and be worried about every single thing I say or do. Obviously I care about my freedom. Part of my issue was with bank of America is they didn't want me to have a YouTube channel. They found out about, and long story short is they basically didn't like that. The VP of small business in Syracuse uh, had a personality on YouTube that was giving relationship advice. They're like, that's not what, you know, business bankers do, which I understand. I was their employee. And the reason that God comes first is this is what like this was my struggle. So last year, I didn't know who God was. I totally lost you know vision of him. I thought I'm supposed to become a priest, and then I felt further away from God. And the more I was going to Catholic Church, 
the 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 more space I felt between me and God, to be completely honest. And I'm not saying Catholic Church is bad. I'm just saying my personal experience. I saw the political realm of the local bishop in Syracuse speaking politically, and I didn't. It it basically it tarnished the whole notion of the Catholic Church to me. So I was reading Grant Cardone's book, and he was talking about how leaving a legacy means that you're not being selfish. He said, a legacy is for everybody else. A legacy isn't for you because you can't take it with you. He said, so if your goal is to just get a good job, make a lot of money so that you can retire on your own money and spend it all until you die, he goes, that to me is selfish because you're not thinking of anyone else but yourself and your retirement. He goes, a legacy is for everybody else. And I'm, I'm, I always say I'm the happiest guy in the room if I got a Bills game on and Miller High Life in the fridge, but I can't pass that down to people. I can pass down maybe some memories watching games with kids, but at the end of the day, that, that can only take you so far. So what I realized in reading just a little bit of Grant Carbone is that we are different than the birds in the tree. If I look at a bird, a lot of people say, you know, a bird's free because it can fly wherever it wants to go, you know. But if a bird has free will, then why are they still in their only invention in a nest regurgitating their food to their young? That doesn't make sense to me. That means that they don't know how to take an idea, give it to somebody else and make that idea bigger, better. And the third, like since human beings have invented fire, we've invented the wheel and boats and buildings and skyscrapers and internet and, and everything in between, we can take a device this big and communicate like we are around the world. So clearly there's something that separates us from the birds we have something that we want to leave to other people and whether it's an idea, a concept or an actual physical, tangible thing, that's legacy. We are different from the birds, but you can't have free will without God. That's where we get our consciousness from. So in that search of trying to find my mantra, I realized this is what every philosopher and every person throughout history has gone through is like trying to understand what's your purpose. And I realize that I have to maintain these three things to keep to remind myself of my purpose. I can't do any of this without God. God gave me the 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 consciousness, the spirit, the ability to be here today. So with that, his gift to me was free will, which I would then interpret to say consciousness. So with that consciousness, if my goal isn't to leave a legacy to other people, then I'm being selfish. So that's why I believe in God, freedom, legacy in that order. Really, you can't have you can't have one without the others or else I've been watching the squirrel run up and down the thing. And this squirrel's only job is to store up enough food to make it through the next winter and to repopulate. And if your goal is just to merely survive and populate, you're no different than a bird on a branch regurgitating its food to its young. So your goal should be to leave somebody something to somebody else. Amen. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I I think that's a brilliant analogy, actually, you know, once you mentioned it, it, it reminds me of something that uh, Dennis Prager, uh, he had a interesting thing on his radio show about what, uh, what separates man from the animals. And it, and it is in fact, who's saying this? I, I heard who you, I, I missed who you said who was saying this on the radio. 
uh De- dennis prager the guy who uh oh, runs yep yeah dennis prager yep yep who runs prager you uh extremely extremely uh brilliant man he uh a, a, a few years ago i heard him he had this talk on what separates uh man from the animals and there were and i mean i could go into it. it's it's like a whole three hour long conversation but, but legacy and the the ability to pass things on to others was one of the key things that he mentioned about oh, how cool. we can you know about how we can pass things on and improve the world around us you know or or contrarily destroy sure you know, if, if you want to be negative about it that's you know that's part of legacy too it might not be a, a good legacy per se but it's still a legacy no 100 100 percent. all right well oh, uh, and before you sign off i did want to just shout out um part of the reason that i was able to to understand these things in myself is i've i've struggled throughout my life with manic depression i didn't know what caused it and i've been listening to michael savage on and off for years and michael savage's last book is god faith and reason which also, I haven't read it yet, but um, it also inspired me because to see a guy that's been talking politics for 20 years get fed up with it where he's like, I, I want him to do a God book. And this is a guy that's not religious. Right. I don't like the word religion because religion basically puts reason on the back burner and says accept this because it's a structure of beliefs. I don't believe in accepting a structure of beliefs. I believe in trying to figure out what the truth is. Right. And I called into his show and I told him about how he struggled with manic depression. And in talking to him, I said to him, which Canterbury clipped so brilliantly, so I appreciate Canterbury for doing that for me. He clipped the, the, the segment where I call into the show, and I said, here's what I struggle with. And people that I've talked to told me, you know, yeah, you're, you're manic depressive or bipolar. And he said, well, sounds <laughs> it was funny as he said, it sounds to me like you have some bear in you. And I go, oh, it's funny at the time. I said, I call myself the bipolar bear. And he laughed, which for me, hearing him laugh was a good thing. And he goes, no, he goes, I said, but if I've psychoanalyzed myself, what I realize is when I lose my freedom, um, I, I, I spiral because I don't like losing my freedom. And, and Michael Savage, who I've looked up to for years, says, oh, my gosh, he goes, I have a, a freedom reflex. He goes, I, he goes, if I, you know, go against my freedom, I spiral too." something to that effect. And I went, wow. He goes, yeah, he goes, just listen to more talk radio. You'll be fine. He goes in and basically was saying, don't suppress your freedom. And I thought, wow, like that's so powerful. It was just, it, it inspired me. And I, and I, that's what I'm try, trying to do with Need TV. I'm trying to inspire other people to try to figure out whatever your gift is, but I'm trying to teach people that those, if you can keep God first and knowing that his gift to you is free will and your free will to be, should be to enhance your talents and everything else then you'll naturally leave, be leaving a legacy to other people. So that's the whole goal of Need TV. It doesn't always come out that way. And, you know, we do a little freestyle session in there from time to time, and we try to have fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, can, kind of latching on to, to what you were saying, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, the same, I'm the same way. I think, I think anyone who... Um, how do I how do I say this? Anyone who hasn't really been uh, conditioned, quote unquote, to be a cog, 
mm. gets gets depressed when they're uh, oh, so true. When I love that. Free, when their free will gets uh, you know take, taken away. Well, that's that's one of the brilliant things of uh, and Owen Benjamin has talked about this too. Uh, you know, Pink Floyd's "The Wall." You know that whole that whole album is about someone who gets his free will taken away so builds so he builds this wall you know around him and then you know gets sick of it and destroys the wall you know quote unquote to find his free will right Right. well that's where i gotta give owen credit like owen inspired me when he was doing his show and i thought wow like here's a guy i've looked i mean when i say i looked up to owen like not like like Michael Savage, I've been listening to for a long, long time. But right. seeing Owen come out as a conservative, at least in many views, I would consider are important. It was inspiring to me because he stopped. He he basically left the money of Hollywood for truth. And to me, that that was inspiring. And I thought, wow, like if he can do it, like I can too. And I like that's why I I, I do support him in in a lot of ways. And. Right. In conjunction with him and Michael Savage, like it just, it just clicked for me, and I thought I got to do the show, you know. And now I'm over a hundred episodes in, and people actually look forward to it. And, you know, not many, you know. It, it gets, you know, s- some views, but it's doesn't matter if just like a couple people look forward to it. And now I feel like that's I have a duty to do that show now, and I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was kind of the similar thing with me. How I start, how I started my show. You know, when I. When I started my first uh, podcast, which was ten years years ago, now I was I was thirteen, fourteen years old years old around there, mm-hmm. and I was I was one of those weird ki- kids who really got into history and really got into politics at, at a young age. Those were those were the subjects that I really excel excelled at. I I've, I sucked at math and still do somewhat, and uh, but I was pretty good with with writing and I was really good good with history and politics. So um, around the time of the two thousand eight election, when I started, um, when Obama really came into the conscience of America, I I looked at his voting record and saw that. As a junior senator from Illinois, he basically hadn't taken any positions what's, mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. And so, smart. Very, it was very smart. That's, what, so, uh, that's, that's what you do if you're ever on Apprentice. Yeah. Whatever your, whatever your project manager wants to do, just go against it. Because if your project manager wins, you don't go to the boardroom. But if your project manager loses, you can say, see, I was against him. I told him not to do it. So, and that's what Obama did on the political stages. He just was against everything. And then he can say, see, didn't work out. And I told him not to do it. But so he but, learned from Trump a long time ago. Yeah. But what but what happened was I, I went I went in and well the, I mean the problem with Obama was he had he had no it wasn't just that he went against everything. It was that on a lot of stuff as a senator, he didn't he didn't even vote on anything. He was absent yeah. for for a lot of those sessions. So so I started asking, like, you know, so what does this guy really stand for? Because he hasn't voted for anything. And just because I asked that, I got called, you know, a racist, a sexist, you know, all, all, 
all yeah, the he knew that. all the buzzwords. And so I was like, uh, you know, all I'm like, you know, that there's no there's no Rush Limbaugh for millennials. Amen. There, yeah. There, right. There's no there's no well, there is now, and his name's Ben Shapiro, but yeah, right. back in 2008, we didn't know who Ben Shapiro was, at least so, on a large scale. He, he still was doing well, but we didn't know who he was till about 2012, I'd say. So I, so I was like, well, well, you know, screw it. If, if there's, if there's no, if there's no millennial Ben Shapiro or no millennial Rush Limbaugh, then, then I will. That's I, awesome, bro. That's awesome. That's really so, cool. So I start, I started a podcast and. Lo and behold, all of these other uh, millennial conservatives like uh, Charlie Kirk, the guy who runs Turning Point, yeah. he, he started coming out of the... So all of these millennial conservatives like Crowder started coming out, out of the woodwork. And, They're following uh, you. They're following you, Sam. You tell well, them. Well, you know, and, 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 people, and people have asked me, so how come you're not, how come you're not like uber famous yet if you've been doing this for so long? And... Uh, you know that that's the other thing. Fame is fame is overrated. I I think. To- well, I, I mean, I have an answer for that. You know, you might not like it, but it's just because you're not as entertaining as they are. You know, what you're saying is no different than what they're saying. They're just more entertaining vehicles of that information. That's the only difference, bro. Well, it might be that. It might also be that they have that they've had better marketing resources and more money to throw. You know, to throw behind their uh, vehicles too. You know, I, I just oh, that's true, dude. That's that's totally true. That's true too. But like when you're Crowder, like Crowder's funny. You know what I mean? Like he's right, very yeah. entertaining. He's engaging. So all he needed was the right person to see him do something, and then Fox News hires him. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of it. Like honestly, like you should be a if if I were you, I would be trying to be a writer on Crowder's show or Shapiro's show. Or what, like I would want to be a writer because. You have all the information, man. Right. Especially if you've been saying this stuff since, since 2008. Like you're ahead of you're ahead of you're ahead of me. Well, I mean, and and you know, I'm I am I'm amassing an audience slowly but slowly but surely. You know that that's that's the other thing. It doesn't. Everyone kind of has their own niche audiences. People people who like uh, Crowder might not necessarily like uh, Rush Limbaugh, vice versa. Um, so there Crowder Crowder still did a video recently where he was Bob Ross painting with blood Muhammad, you know, so, so like he still has no shame where it's concerned in a lot of aspects to get views. I don't see you doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, now I'm, I'm more, I'm more of a, I'm more of a talker. I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done a whole lot of on the street interviews, at, at least not, at least not recently. I think you should. I think it'd be a great idea. No, no. What what I'm what I'm hope what I'm hoping to do is uh, I'm hope I'm hoping that Antifa or one of those groups come, comes around my uh, campus, and then I'll just go and disrupt them and ask and ask them a whole bunch of questions. That's what um that's what. Antifa, what year are you? What what year am I? Yeah. I uh well I'm a. Right now, I'm at a community at a community college. I'm I'm in my third year there, and then and then I'm transferring to the to the University of uh, South Florida here. So nice. Well, yeah, I know South Florida. Yeah, they're uh, I believe South Florida was in the Big East with. Oh, wait, were they in the East? What? Where? What 
conference South Florida, and I don't remember. But um, uh, South... I I can't I can't remember right. That's now. okay. So, are you trying to get a bachelor's, master's? What are you working towards? I'm I'm looking at I'm actually looking at getting a, a certification in uh, in technical writing. So I guess that would be a uh, a bachelor's. Cool. So cool. As long as you know, as long as you know what you're going to school for, I made the mistake of just trying to get a degree in communications without knowing what I wanted to do, and then I just took sales jobs. So it was just like it's just a it's a plaque on my wall. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it, it it shows the hard work that I did to get to get that, but at the end of the day, like I could be doing what I'm doing without ever having to go to school. Right. Well, I th- I think it, I think also depends on on what your passion is like you know podcasting and streaming and, and media like that that's my that's my passion so right i i want to turn this into a into a business and fortunately because of you know platforms like patreon and whatnot there you know there are finally avenues where people can uh start to make to make money you know unless you unless you say something like super controversial in which case uh patreon will boot you off i guess but dude you know. you're gonna you're gonna have a big show i i would say in the next two years you're gonna have a really good size show because you got the work ethic you obviously now you got a you got you've probably had a, had a fan base for a while but now like you have a little bit of an engine behind you in the unbearables yeah so, well it'll be good bro well that's well that's the other thing i've i've also noticed and, and you might encounter this uh too at, at some point i your your fan base changes somewhat too i I used i used to have a bigger fan base before trump happened Um, interesting what what well what happened was um i was i was part of a uh publication i'm not gonna i'm not gonna mention their name but i was part of i was part of a publication that basically wrote for uh it was one of these college conservative blogs and so i published pieces i published pieces on there and i was gaining a pretty good following over there and then the website in about june of 2016 they decided to um basically take a never trump stance they were they were part of that whole they were part of that whole sect of conservatives and i i and I, ba- I basically, I basically said to them, they, they said, well, you, you can either, you can either stay with us and, you know, toe the never Trump line, or you can, or, you know, we can basically dismiss you. And I said, well, I said, well, first of all, this is antithetical to everything that conservatives in the free speech movement stand for. I said, how, how is this? How is this conservative? You're basically saying toe the line, or yeah, right. You know, or it's a very leftist tactic. I said, I said that's a, that that's a leftist tactic. I said, I said B. I said I don't know. I said if any of you have actually read my columns, I'm not one of these people who is saying that Trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Obviously, the guy has issues, but mm-hmm. you, but you can't tell me that he's worse than Hill. Than Hillary Clinton, who, for all we know, has you know murdered people, um, and done, 
and done a whole bunch of other crazy shit along the way. I still don't know a single thing Hillary Clinton did that was good, ever. No. I still don't know a single one. And and people just would, I would ask people, I go, what has she done well? Like, name me something she's done well. And then when they couldn't give you a clear answer, that's how you know you've won. Like, if they would say, well, what's Trump done well? I'd be like, I don't know, hired thousands of people, like, formed thousands of businesses around the world, inspired millions of people. Like, what has Hillary done? And they go, well, she had some good policies about uh, No, no. As soon as the more people talk, the less they say. Remember that line. The more people talk, the less they say. So when you when you ask somebody a question, if they can't give you an answer, that means that they don't have the answer and they're searching for it in their words. Like I just was now. Right. I figured it out by the end. Well, the well, the the other thing that I would always ask Hillary supporters and maybe this is the maybe this is just a generational thing, but I tended to notice like with all of the twenty something Hillary supporters, most of whom whom of whom were women, I would ask them, so uh, why should we vote? Why should I vote for Hillary Clinton? Make, make your case. Oh, it's time for it's time for a woman president. Yeah, bullshit. That's just, sorry, my language. That's that's just no, a no. Yeah. Uh, no, you're free to you're free to say what whatever on on here. But uh, no, I, I would ask I so I would I would ask them in return. Okay, so uh, so then if if you were so gung ho for a for a female president, then why weren't you supporting uh, Sarah Palin when when she ran for a brief time back in back in 2012? Or Carly um, Fiorina that yeah, ran or, on the right? Yeah, just yeah, recently. Or, well, because uh, Hillary Clinton ha- has experience, and it was like, no, she was, she was, <laughs> she was, she was, she was first, she was first lady back in the nineties to a to a president who who cheated on her rep- repeatedly, and uh, you know, so the whereas you know, whereas you know, with me, people would ask, so why, so why are you voting for Trump? Well, because it, because he's an entrepreneur, he's proven that he knows how to get business deals done. He's not he's not politically correct. He doesn't really care about what people people say about him. He just does his own. But there's thing. answers there. There's there's there wasn't one good answer to to vote for Hillary other than well, Bill Clinton had a good economy when he was in president when he was president. It's like okay, fine. You know, and we can discuss the reasons that that might have been the case. Right. But also, we lost a lot of jobs right after the 90s. I don't know if people remember all the jobs we lost since NAFTA and all that stuff. But then you're getting in the weeds. The left doesn't want to talk about the weeds. They just want to talk about, you know, the economy is doing well. It's like, okay, but Bill's not running. So for the same reasons that you when when we corner you on Bill Clinton not being a morally good guy. And you try to say how Donald Trump's not morally good, and they go, "Well, he's not running." Then you can't use Bill Clinton in the same light and say, "Well, the economy and everything was going well in the '90s when he was in, in office." But the left doesn't care about being a hypocrite. That's the whole point. Is the left? They don't care about hypocrisy. They only care about appealing to people's emotions. And we have to stop talking logic to emotions. And here's what I like: what Ben Shapiro said in, in one of his speeches. He said, "They know that you're evil." They don't think you're evil. They know you're evil. So their whole thing right. is to say, you're evil. 
go in your corner and your right wing corner. That's why they're so quick to say right wing, but they never say left wing, you know? So, and then they'll, they'll even make statements to say that, well, this is the right thing. I, you very rarely do you hear me say, this is the right answer unless I know for sure, but that's, they're coming from emotion. So they just, they, everything to them is, you know, well, this is the issue of the woman and this is the issue. Well, that's not right for, they, they don't know anything. So stop talking logic to emotion and start calling them hypocrites and cowards for the stances that they take and attack their heart because clearly socialism is evil. We've seen the effects of it. So just call them for what they are, a communist socialist. It's all evil. So call them for what they are. And that's how you bully a bully. I like what Shapiro said in that. So yeah, love it. That, and that's uh, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're real familiar with uh, Andrew Breitbart, who uh, was Ben Shapiro's predecessor, but you know, All right. he, he was he was the one who really got me act got me activated to continue what I was doing. There was a there was a point in high school um, where I was kind of like, you know, the show's not doing too well, so I think I'm gonna quit. And then Breitbart, right before he died, he went up on. CPAC and basically, um, you know, made a call to action for everyone to get on social media and start being citizen yeah, journalists yeah. and being citizen. Yeah, I didn't see that until like a year or so ago. So I, I really like that. That was uh, awesome. Oh, I and I, I play that all the time because that, that was that was my big uh, aha moment or mm. I guess my my big call to action. And then like yeah. six weeks later, he, he passed. He passed away, you know, and it, it's still, it's, uh, you know, and I still, I still find it tragic, but you know, right. that, that final, uh, speech of his was just such a call to action to fight back against the left with their own techniques to, you know, to call them out on their own hypocrisy. And, right. uh, one of the rules for radicals is to make them, is to make your enemy live up to their own set of rules. So, you know, and, and I think that's what we've started doing as a whole, you know, is they want to call us, you know, racist or, you know, hippo and uh, bigots and, you know, well, we can find examples of bigotry on their side now and more often right. than not, we have. So, yeah, the, the Me Too movement was mostly with leftists, you know, it's mostly all of Hollywood, <laughs> which leans left. Newsflash, right? Um, and a lot of politicians, and I think there was probably more politicians that were left. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I don't know that, but it definitely Hollywood was, you know, mostly left when they started putting them out. And there was a couple of right winger politicians that were in that group. Yeah, you know? and uh, you know, I'm, I and I, I, I know that people were were disappointed when they said that they were going to uh, cancel House of Cards. Uh, because yeah. of the whole Kevin Spacey thing, but I, I was actually, or I, I guess they're coming back for one more season. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, got rid of Kevin Spacey. He's a, he's a piece of crap if he's, um, yeah, right. you know, molesting kids like that. And you know, and I, and believe me, there are still some movies of his that I love to, love to watch. He's a, he's a talented actor, but you know, he's. He's a scumbag. Well, let's be honest. Acting is overrated. 
It's yeah. the most overrated profession. And the way that people claim that they're these unbelievable people, it's like, oh, like, oh, John Stamos it was a doctor on ER. It's like, yeah, he was pretending to be a doctor. How come you don't care about actual doctors that much that actually do the work that he pretended to do? They're playing pretend. They're just pretending to be characters. I put a different character on for the show right now. You know, I don't talk like this all the time, but sometimes I put on characters because it's fun. It's um, not, it's... It's, it's 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 so overrated. You're just pretending to be somebody and read some lines and half of them don't even read them. They get them fed to them right before they go on. So it's just it's so overrated. That whole industry so overrated. I'm just sick of the praise of all of these wannabe idols and they're yeah. not. So I'm just I'm done with them. I'm done with them. Leonardo DiCaprio. I've turned in my handkerchief from his great Gatsby. I'm done. I don't care about it. I just, I just, that's why when people say, have you seen this movie? Most time I haven't. Cause unless I've been called to watch something like the jerk, I'm not going to watch it, which I'm finishing today. I got about a half hour left. Uh, Actually, I do got to get going though. I got to, um, I got to call at two o'clock. I got to get ready for. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, Holy cow, we've been going for one hour 45 almost, huh? Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up, uh, real quick, but yeah, to, uh, just make, just make your point. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Acting is severely overrated. I mean, the the only actor that I can think of that I really admire anymore is uh, Keanu Reeves from from The Matrix, and it's <laughs> well, I think Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time. And the guy's right wing. Go listen to some of his speeches. The guy's right wing. He just can't come out right wing, or else he loses his career. Well, so his legacy is ahead of his freedom. So I look at everything through that prism. Where like where. Do people put their priorities? Do they put their legacy ahead of their freedom? And I would say most people do. Most people, you know, yeah. they're working a job and they go, you can't be free. And that's the struggle. I, so I, I get that. But um, yeah. as long as God's first, you'll be good. Yeah. All right, Don. Well, where well, where can uh, the good people find you on social media and, and, oh, all, and all the yeah, other the, places? The, the best way to find me, I would say, would be either on Twitter or YouTube. So my Twitter is John Near ICNY, that's J-O-H-N-N-E-R-I-C-N-Y for Central New York. Or you could go to YouTube and just look up my name, John Neri, or YouTube.com slash John Neri. And those are probably the top two places to find me. If you want to say something to me, you know, you can comment to me on Twitter or DM me or whatever, if you're able to follow me on there. And uh, the other side, like I said, would be just go on YouTube and comment something in one of the comments of my videos and you can do it there. That's another good way. But um, yeah, and that's my actual name, too. So pretty easy to find at this point. All right, John. Well, thank you for the conversation, brother. And uh, it was great talking to you, man. Hey, you too. You're going to you're going to you're going to be one of the best. I, like I say, that's what so by 2020, which is ironic because that's perfect vision, right? So by 2020, you will be the perfect vision of the future, Sam. Well, well thank you. Well, thank you. I uh, I really appreciate that. And with that, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Whitfield Report. So thank you for uh, tuning in, and I'll be right back to do the outro. So, God for the legacy in that order. That's right. Thanks, Sam. All right, peace, brother. Thanks, John. That was a long podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's my longest podcast to date with the Whitfield Report. Almost two hours 
long. But you know what? We made it. And it was a good uh, show. A damn good show. With a damn good guest. I want to thank John Neary once again for coming on the program and uh, just having an interesting conversation. Because that's what this uh, that's what this show is really all about, folks. It's not just about politics or pop culture, but it's about the conversations that interweave the two together. I found uh, John's message about God free freedom and legacy to be very inspiring. Uh, not just in this podcast, but ever since I first met him a few months ago. The guy is just a stand-up dude, and uh, I really support everything that he's doing. I love what he's doing. It's really encouraging and positive, and I recommend that you guys check out his uh, YouTube stream if you guys have already. So once again, you can search him on YouTube. Just type in John Neary. It should pop up. Knee TV airs weekdays, 7 a.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, and of course you can always watch later if that doesn't if that time doesn't work for you. He is also on iTunes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as well. But uh, we're still working on. I'm helping him get his podcast set up there. So, anyway, folks, that just about does it for uh, the podcast this week. I hope you all have a great uh, rest of the week. Mother's Day is on Sunday of this week. So if you're watch, if you're listening to this on uh, Sunday, well, what are you doing? Uh, go tend to your mother instead. If you guys are watching this later in the week, though, have a good uh, rest of your week. God bless. God save this great nation. God free democracy in that order. And from all of us here and at NGC Studios, God bless and God save this great nation. I'll see you next week, folks.